Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arab Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And Thursday night was, with the exception of one game, rather a quiet night. Rather a quiet night. I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to it eventually. But I want to talk about something else first. It's something I talk about periodically. And it's a concept. More than a specific game, it's a concept. When a team makes a trade, when a team makes a trade, instead of waiting 7 billion years or 9 years or 14 years, and saying, see, this, this was a bad trade. Waiting nine years, or 12 years, or however many years it takes, five years. Instead of waiting forever, it's more useful, in my opinion, in my opinion, to look at a trade numerous times to see if what we thought we knew at the time of the trade was actually correct. Because a lot of times when a trade is made, assumptions are made as well. You make a trade, you make assumptions. Hey, this guy that we got, we know that he can do this. We know that he's this. We know that he's fantastic at that. We just don't know about the other things. Guys that we got back in return. Well, we don't really know a whole lot about them, but we have heard this. So if you end up getting a player back in trade, you know that guy is a definite third in the order hitter. Definite third in the order hitter. Definitely, he always has been, and he probably will be for the next six years. You say what you know, and you say what you don't know. Both sides, both sides the entire time. On this side, the team received. On this other side, the team received. And if you effectively assess the trade, then you shouldn't have to really update a whole lot of stuff after as far as, gee, I thought he was going to be better. Today, I'm going to talk about you, Darvish. When the you, Darvish trade was made, many Cubs fans were very, very, very upset that the you, Darvish trade was made. And there were two main reasons the Cubs fans were upset. There's a third re- there, there's a reason that should have been discussed quite a bit, but wasn't discussed. But there were two things that Cubs fans were totally convinced of. Many Cubs fans were totally convinced of that were discussed quite heavily, quite heavily. Let's start with a smaller one. One, Cubs fans, many Cubs fans, were convinced 
that the Cubs had given up a fantastic catcher. Victor Caratini, last season, was a good backup. He's a good backup catcher. He wasn't an elite catcher. He wasn't a heart-of-the-order hitter. He's a good backup catcher. So he was. A lot of Cubs fans were tossing more pre- he's going to be he's going to be a very good catcher. He should be a starter for at least two thirds of the teams in the league or something like that. He's, a, he, he's an okay backup catcher. So let, let's let's fast forward to this year. What's he doing? He's, he's an okay backup catcher. He's kind of their starter. But he's, you know, hitting about 220. Maybe it's up a bit. Maybe it's down a bit. I Last time I looked, it was about 220. A little bit of power. Really not a whole lot of, you know, and, and, and he's not a walk machine. He's not hitting doubles and triples all over the place. He's, he's, he's an okay backup catcher. So if there was a Cubs fan in your universe who was saying, just watch, you just watch, Victor Caratini is going to be an all-star catcher. He's not there yet. The person who said Victor Caratini is going to be an all-star catcher as of right now, that person was wrong. Wrong. Those are, that, that's a concept I like to discuss when someone has a hard and fast opinion that they are totally confident of and they're wrong, that needs to be pointed out. Victor Caratini was not, has not been this year a catcher that's going to make a significant difference. He's, he's okay. Not as good as Contreras. You know, you, you can have him out there and he's okay, but not a whole lot more than that. So if you're going to get angry at the Darvish for Contreras trade, or Darvish and Caratini trade, because, oh my goodness, the Cubs gave up Victor Caratini, and if he would have been the Cubs' backup catcher, they would have been clearly a first-place team. No, no, really not. He's an okay backup. So, let's look at the other thing. You Darvish, the Cubs gave away a Cy Young Award candidate from 2021, or from 2020. Yes, they did. They gave away a guy who's going to be a very good pitcher with the Padres for the next three years. Well, about that. Right up until about the time Major League Baseball started to crack down on foreign substances, Hugh Darvish was a pretty good pitcher. He was off to a very solid start to his season. There's no question about that. Then... For whatever reason, right about the time 
Major League Baseball started their crackdown. Hugh Darvish began to struggle. It wasn't necessarily all the time. It wasn't necessarily completely every outing. But his numbers just started to fall off a bit. And last night, the Padres lost to Arizona, who's a bad team, 12-3. Darvish was the starter, and Darvish left with a back injury. Pretty much all San Diego's pitchers are injured. <laughs> it seems like Ryan Weathers is either hurt or bad. Uh, they have a number of pitchers. I don't frequent Padres games a whole lot, but they, everyone was assuming in April and May, well, it's going to be obviously, obviously it's going to be the Padres with either the Giants or the Dodgers in the wild card game. And there's no question about it because those are far and away the two best teams. Or, and, uh, the Padres might get there, but they're having a lot of pitching trouble. A lot of pitching trouble. And Darvish isn't helping them a whole lot. And now Darvish is injured. And I've long said about that Darvish trade. The Darvish trade for the Padres. It could work out really well. It could work out incredibly well for the Padres. But if that's going to happen, it kind of has to happen early. Because there's only three years that they can win at all or do whatever. And if the Padres win the World Series in one of the next three years, then no matter what the trade looks like at any point in the trade, the Padres win. The Padres win the trade on their end because they won the World Series. But if they're a team that is problematic now, Fernando Tatis Jr. having some Injury concerns, a lot of their pitchers having some injury concerns. If the Padres have to go shopping this offseason to upgrade their roster, now they still have a really decent batch of talent to do that, but it gets a bit problematic. gets a bit problematic if you have a trade that you make that you have to win in one of three years. If the first year ends up being a disappointment, you only have two years left. The Cubs traded a second, a, a, a pitcher who in 2020 was a second, was in second place in the Cy Young balloting. No question about it. So, you Darvish does not look like a Cy Young candidate now. Will he next year? Well, I don't know. Will he the year after that? I don't know. I'm not that smart. My crystal ball, I, it hasn't arrived yet. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. 
But people who were saying, people who were assuming that Victor Caratini was going to be an all-star catcher and Hugh Darvish was going to continue his dominance from 2020, they were wrong. They were wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that the Cubs made a perfect trade. Does not. Does not. But what the Cubs' plan was in late December, nobody, the the one thing that I kind of hinted at, still nobody's told me what the magic number was that Tom Ricketts gave Jed Hoyer. Because there's obviously a magic number there. Here is a number. Here is a number. You have to get under that number somehow, some way. Still believe that happened. Jed Hoyer was told, you have to get below this certain specific number. And if the trade was not you Darvish for whatever you get back in return, the trade was going to be something else. Because getting under that number was the important thing. It might not matter to you. It might not matter to you even remotely. But when the ownership gives the middle executive, which frankly is what Jed Hoyer is in that instance. Theo Epstein, same thing. When the owner gives the middle executive a number, it can be 100% arbitrary, or it can have some sort of tie-in with something else. Jed Hoyer, after Theo Epstein, was given a number he had to get under. The best way Jed Hoyer could get under that number that he could see was trading Jed Hoyer, or was trading Hugh Darvish, which also included trading Victor Caratini. Darvish and Caratini, if they were being traded right now, if Darvish and Caratini were being traded right now, well, can't make trades right now. But if there was some sort of an out clause of you Darvish and Victor Caratini can be traded, nobody else can except those two guys and players that are in minor league pipelines. <sighs> Darvish doesn't look like a second in the Cy Young Award any more than Trevor Bauer. Looks like a second, uh, first or second in Cy Young balloting. Totally different reasons, but neither one of them looks any good right now. Things change. Things fluctuate. If a team trades quality for quality, and the quality they trade six, eight, nine months later doesn't look as good, Perhaps, perhaps they picked a good time to trade. Do we know what Victor Caratini is going to do next year? Do we know what Hugh Darvish is going to do next year? Do we know if Hugh Darvish is going to be the guy getting the ball in the wildcard game for the Padres? No, we don't know that. And it could be that Darvish turns it around and is fantastic for the rest of the season after he gets back from his back injury. But... That hasn't happened yet. 
that hasn't happened yet. You Darvish struggled last night, not necessarily as much as uh, the Cubs struggled. If the plan for the Cubs was, you know what? We're really not prioritizing 2021. We're probably not prioritizing 2022. Let's try to get assets that will be really useful for the Chicago Cubs in 2023, 2024, 2025, and beyond. You know, they did a pretty good job of that. They did a pretty good job of that with the U Darvish and Victor Caratini trade. Could they have done better? Yeah. Could they have gotten players that were more able to help out immediately? Possibly, yeah. But if the goal was 2023 and beyond, they got a fairly nice take. Let's look at Thursday night in the Cubs pipeline. Again, it was a really quiet night. Um, Mike Hosschild pitched for Iowa. And as I was out and about, I was listening to Alex Cohen call the game. Hostile pitched really well. Six, uh, five innings, uh, six innings, five hits, over 100 pitches. Um, worked well into the game. Um, two runs, two earned. Tonight, or last night, that was enough to lose. Normally, the offense is more than that, better than that. It wasn't last night. Zach Davis had a double and two walks, but there wasn't a whole lot else going on. Tennessee, Nelson Velasquez. Four for four. Three three runs driven in. Um... He he had a single, a double, and a homer his first three times up. Came up for his fourth time and hit another home run. Boy, it had to be tempting to stop a third. No, I'm good. I'm good. I I know I hit her over the fence, but I'm good. I'm going to stop here. You guys can go look for it out in the corn, but... uh. I, I oh oh I that's right that was just the the, the game in Dyersville, um, but Velazquez very nice game double, two homers and a single. Christopher Morel was one for three with a walk. The rest of the offense kind of dormant. Brennan Davis was one for four. Dakota Chalmers is an interesting case. He's probably going to be a podcast all upon his own, all upon himself, rather near future. Four and a third innings, five hits, one run, one earned, four walks, three strikeouts. Um, Chalmers was claimed on waivers, then gotten through waivers, so the Cubs got to keep him off the 40-man roster. He has some things going on. Uh, he might be worth putting on the 40-man roster this offseason. I... Oh. Tough call. Tough call. Getting those tough calls right will be a large part of the, uh, fut- the 2022. Getting the 2021 decisions properly Executed is going to be a large part of 2022 and beyond. I'm going to jump jump in line. Uh, 
Myrtle Beach had their game on Marquis Sports and Nolis Meneker helping Sam Wiederhoff. Sam Wiederhoff does a great job. Sadly, Myrtle Beach did not. Five hits, one walk. Dawell Rodriguez debuted off the compound. Dawell Rodriguez is one of the, well, there's a whole bunch of Rodriguez pitchers in the Cubs pipeline. A whole bunch. I think they're like, there were four on the Arizona roster. Dowell Rodriguez debuted. It was not a sterling debut, but he did debut. And getting off the compound is a huge thing. Uh, again, if, if you're making your debut against a Tampa Rays affiliate, horrible things might happen. <sighs> Rodriguez went in and in a third in relief. The starter was Tyler Schlafer, who went three innings. He gave up enough runs to get the law get charged with the loss. Myrtle Beach loses five to nothing. The story of the night was in South Bend. That's where I was listening. I enjoy listening to the South Bend games because when I get the South Bend games, I get Alexander Visca or I get Alexander. Canario updates, I get Bryce Ball updates, uh, sometimes Liam Spence is in the lineup, uh, it, it's, it's becoming my default, and it, it, that will depend on who's doing well and other factors, but South Bend, Alexander Vizcaino, who came over in the Anthony Rizzo trade. Two innings pitched, no hits, one hit batsman, three strikeouts. Something that I pay attention to with Alexander Vizcaino, no walks. It was a very nice outing for Vizcaino. He got in the second inning, which isn't ever a guarantee. Not only did he start the second inning, he finished it. Seven batters faced, no walks, no hits. Very good. Joe Nahas, I, I still think, Joe Nahas and Scott Kobos, to, to me, they're really the same guy. One's a right-handed pitcher. One guy's a left-handed pitcher. I, I've had a tendency to, through the years, invent fake teams, fake basketball teams, fake baseball teams, fake football teams. And uh, Joe Nahas and Scott Kobos, uh, well, they, they, they almost sound like fake players to me. But uh, Nahas, five innings, no hits, one walk, six strikeouts. No, he went six innings. He didn't go, wait. Yeah, he went six innings, not five innings. Change that to a six. So you put the two together, that's eight innings, no hits, one walk, one strikeout. Uh, put the two together, that's eight innings, no hits, one walk, one hit by pitch, nine strikeouts. And due to one inning, what was it, seventh? Yeah, I think it's the seventh. Tyler Derna doubled, uh, got to third on a something. Then Bryce Windham 
singled him in, and Perlaza, Jonathan Perlaza doubled in Wyndham and whoever the other guy was that was on base to make it three to nothing. And all of a sudden, Joe Nahas led three to nothing in a no hit bid. It went to the ninth, and Burl Caraway came in. And his first five pitches were wide of the zone. And it was the Burl Caraway experience again. But he settled down, started throwing strikes, and completed their no-hitter. South Bend tosses a no-hitter, wins three to nothing. Alexander Canario did not hit a home run. Alexander Canario did not get a base hit. However, two times outfielders made diving catches on his hits, on his contact, on his fly balls. Alexander Canario, he's still fine, don't worry. Needed a uh needed a game like this to unbreak the game. I don't know, he might even get the night off tonight. I I would probably be tempted to give him the day off because he's done so well recently. He he has earned a day off. South Bend playing very good baseball. There's a lot of teams playing good baseball in the pipeline. Realistically, on Thursday, it was not the best night in the system. But steps along the way, steps along the way, steps along the way. Um... Yeah, South Bend, three to nothing, no hitter. Very good night, very enjoyable night. And once the no hitter started getting even remotely close, um, that was where I was staying. Once that game ended, then I flipped over and caught the back end of the some of the back end of the Tennessee game, and then listened to the I Cubs game, but. The uh, South Bend game, very snappily played, very snappily played. And the players who are developing in the pipeline, as they are developing in the pipeline, however that ends up being, keep an eye on them. The parent club is depressing, understandably so. Mind the pipeline. The pipeline shall tell you what is coming next. Friday night, another full night in the pipeline. I guess I should probably start before I do the podcast. I should probably have the expected starters figured out. I don't have that yet. But uh, Friday night, you're going to have the option. Do I want to watch the Cubs-Marlins game? Or do I want to prioritize a game somewhere in the minor league pipeline? There are no... Ogres bouncing house to house, checking to make sure that you are listening to or watching the Cubs game. Nobody is doing that. Nobody is doing that. You decide what you want to follow. It's up to you to decide. If you decide you want to have your computer going, with the Myrtle Beach game or the Tennessee game or the I-Cubs game or the South Bend game. Nobody is going to think less of you because of that. Zero people in the entire universe. And if there were people who were saying, why are you listening to the game? Screw them. 
You do what you want to do. Fan the way you want to fan. Pick whichever game intrigues you the most. Pick whichever game is most likely to move the needle for you. Do whatever it is that works for you. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And should you decide, pick a Cubs pipeline game to listen to tonight.